and welcome to Around the Rink. Uh, tonight is Wednesday. Uh, last week we came to you on Thursday. This week we come to you on Wednesday. Today is October 11th. We have a very special guest tonight. Nathaniel Oliver, Nate Oliver, however you want to say it. My buddy Nate. Uh, everybody who's followed the PHF obviously knows who Nate is. Uh, GM of the now, I guess, defunct uh, Buffalo Buttes. Uh, but we'll get into that uh, shortly. Um, thanks to everybody who listened to the last episode. Um, we had CJ on, Carly Jackson. Uh, I had a lot of technological difficulties with that one, exporting the link. Um, was able to finally get it done. And then uh, we had we had it published, but nobody could see it. So then we had to just kind of unpublish it and publish it again, and it showed up. I think it was on Saturday or Sunday. I felt bad bothering Kelly on the weekend. Uh, but it's kind of like one of those things where, like, I don't know how technology works. It's like you unplug it, you plug it back in. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I'm like that with a lot of things. I don't understand how a lot of things work. I just know that they work. Um, and a lot of stuff I figure stuff out is trial and error. Tonight I'm using AirPods for the first time. Um, hopefully everybody can hear me nice and clear. Ali, you said you could hear me, yep. right? Sounds good. And that's a per that that's a perfect segue to say hello to my fabulous co-host, who I believe is feeling a lot better than she was feeling uh, last week. Ali Morse, you once stopped uh, Marie Philippe Poulin on a breakaway. I believe that's correct, right? Indeed. And I mean, again, if that was me, I would have just dropped my my stick skated off to the bench down the tunnel and and have a nice life but uh how are you feeling i am feeling much better i did unfortunately just burn my popcorn so i'm a little sad <laughs> but um oh, no. i did also just get home in time to watch three pitches of the twins game and they lost on a on a we'll say questionable strike look not even a swing but you know Tis life in Minnesota. <laughs> that, that's the life of a Minnesota sports fan. Uh, clearly, the Vikings aren't giving you much help. Uh, the early part of their season. Hey, the Minnesota Wild start. They start tomorrow, right? Tomorrow's the 12th. Yep. Yep. So they start tomorrow. So hope springs eternal. Um, there's always one season to lead into another one. And then you have the Wolves coming up soon. Um, so hopefully better days are ahead. Uh, how's your fantasy team doing? I know mine. Oh, and five right now. I'm sure yours is a little bit. Better. Oh, Jamar Chase decided to catch some touchdowns, so um, we are good in fantasy land. We're four and one. First week went a little tough, ah. but I do have Jonathan Taylor. He's finally back. They came to some contract extension, whatever. He didn't yep, do so great yep. last week, but hopefully, with him back in the lineup more consistently, that goes off. I also, I don't really like the Lions because you know NFC North problems but sure, David sure. Montgomery is tried and true I was pleasantly surprised every week by him yeah you have a good squad that's great to hear that you, your team is doing well and hopefully you have uh, a lot more success I'm a little jealous again I'm on five 
uh, made a big oh. trade, traded my franchise quarterback already. So um, we're not going to de- delve too much into that. It's great to hear you sounding a lot better, um, not breathing through your mouth anymore. So we appreciate that you're, <laughs> you're feeling better for, t- for tonight's episode. Um, and I want to kind of go through some of this stuff really quick um, because I want to get to our guest, Nate. And we have a lot of questions, not only from ourselves, but also from you, the listeners. Um, if you're listening live, you might want to drop some questions in now. Uh, I'll remind you again in a little while as well. Um, but thank you to everybody over at the Ice Garden. Thank you to everybody who supports the Ice Garden. Um, <clears throat> we get to do, excuse me, cool things like this um, where we can reach not only people here on in the Twitterverse, but we can also reach people on different podcast platforms. Like I mentioned uh, last week, um, you can listen to us on Apple Music. You can listen to us on Spotify. Uh, Odyssey app is another great place where you can you can get our, our episodes and you subscribe to us. Um, this way you don't miss an episode. I know we're coming to you a little late, at least for us here on the East Coast. It's just after 10 p.m. Um, again, we try and... Uh, uh, cater to our co-hosts and to our guests as well. Um, and we're grateful that Nate's going to give us some time tonight. I do know it's a little bit late. Thanks to Kelly for uh, producing all these these podcasts for us. Uh, don't know where I would be without her. Um, also a great friend. And thanks to our friend and leader, Mike Murphy. Um, Mike really stepped up when the Ice Garden needed somebody to take charge. And um, unfortunately but fortunately he was there when when shit basically went sideways to put it bluntly um i know that's not kind of the position that he wanted to be in especially with everything happening uh behind the scenes as far as us having to go independent and all that kind of stuff but um i think he's done a great job um so far and you know hopefully we have we're on to better and more beautiful things as uh the ncaa season is just starting and we're going to have uh, hopefully a PWHL season coming up um, really quick before we get into that league that hasn't started yet. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to a couple of friends of the show. Uh, shout out to Lola Burnson. Uh, we had her on uh, two months ago, maybe um, got some sweet new gear. If you follow her on Twitter, you, you've seen her post a picture of her sweet new gear. I believe she had a shutout in her first game with the new club. So uh, kudos to her. Hopefully that's just the start of what's going to be a fantastic season for her. Another friend of the show who's on during the summer, Taylor House, netted her first goal for Moto Hockey this past week-ish, uh, since our last show, I believe. Uh, another friend of, of us, but hasn't been on this show, but she's been on an Ice Garden podcast before. Audie Mack had her first goal. Um, so kudos to them. Uh, she Audie's playing over in uh, Sweden, I believe it is. And Taylor House is playing with Moto Hockey. So uh, a lot of good stuff going on for those folks. And, and we're, we're definitely rooting for them. And hopefully they have uh, fantastic seasons. On the flip side of that, unfortunately, today we found out that, or at least I found out that uh, Courtney Maud, who played last season for the Buffalo Buttes, uh, is retiring and stepping away from hockey. And that's kind of, we've talked about this just about every week on this show, where there's just, it seems like every week there's there's another player that's like feeling like they're getting squeezed out or maybe they're not getting a fair shot or they're even getting an invite to a camp um, and they have to kind of balance in these decisions and make choices in life. And uh, unfortunately for Courtney, we never got to see her. As I, If you follow me on Twitter, I posted it early today. 
Um, we never really got to see the full development of her. Like she had a, a really nice collegiate career. Somebody I know the Buttes were and, and Nate, I believe, was very high on. Um, was signed to play for the upcoming season, and that ends. And now she's she's not playing hockey anymore, and that's just that's the the crap reality of this whole situation. So um, all the best to Courtney and and whatever she does next. Maybe we'll have her on the podcast down the road. We'll see. Um, and I also just wanted to shout out to, uh, we had Emma Vlasic on a couple of weeks ago. Um, her brother, Alex, we, we talked about it briefly on, on, uh, the episode that she was on. We had Alex, uh, uh, we talked with Emma about Alex and Alex made the Chicago Blackhawks opening night roster played opening night last night and, uh, got an assist on, I believe it was Chicago's first goal. So, um, hopefully he's still with the, the big club when they come through this part of, of the, the neck, my neck of the woods. And, um, hopefully I get a chance to see both Alex and Emma because, uh, I haven't, I've never met Alex in person, but we've talked on the phone and, uh, obviously I haven't seen Emma since the end of the season. Uh, back to the PWHL really quickly before we get to our guest, Nate Oliver, um, the PWHL teams don't have a name yet. Is that a big deal? Yes, no, probably. I think so. Um, I think it's going to be really. You're going to have this moment when they have, right when they have the first game of the of the new league, and you're going to have all these people taking pictures, and this this that and the other is going to go to the Hall of Fame, right? And it's going to be broadcast on on all these stations, and you're going to have just like no nicknames for these teams. It's going to be like Team Ottawa versus Team New York. Um, that's kind of weird to me, Ali. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, if the reports are true that the teams will not have nicknames chosen by the time the season allegedly starts, because again, we don't know, we don't have any dates, times, broadcast info. Uh, we assume that it's gonna it's gonna happen in January. But what, what's your take on teams not having nicknames, just being named after cities and having color schemes? Yeah, I. I do think it's weird. I mean, I know the P-Dub didn't exactly have, you know, nicknames, but they kind of did, right? Like, they all had sponsors, so they kind of had some. Team Harvey's? Yeah. I just keep in my brain, like, you know, I go to Wild Games, whatever, and, like, they hit the ice, and the announcer's like, here's your Minnesota Wild. And I just keep, like, in my brain, like, keep playing it but just having him just say minnesota and the awkward like (laughs) drag off of like just just minnesota so i don't know it's just it's weird it's hard to build on that i mean it's not that they won't have fans because of it but it's like i don't know it is kind of a weird concept to build a team on I think and and you're trying to right you want to have and I, I'm sure part of it is they want to get it right right like For sure. they want to they want to really get it right and hit it out of the park and they don't want to rush to judgment again or even somebody should have been thinking of this over the last four years uh, that's just my opinion just putting it out there but I don't know just for the optics like you want to sell merch you want to sell a brand and you don't really have one yet and just kind of selling, you know, you want to sell merchandise at games. You're just going to have like purple and black stuff that says Minnesota, Minnesota yeah. with, with like a, 
a silhouette of a hockey player on it. Like, I don't know. Like, it's going to limit a lot of sell, too. Like, there's only so much you can do with colors and a city or state. Right. And, you know, especially like women's hockey, like, you want to try and you got to really stick this landing, like, because you're trying to get people to pay attention. And I don't know. Sometimes, you know, it, I would say that some people would say, "Oh my God, the Connecticut Whale is that team named? Excuse me, is that team named after the Hartford Whalers? Right? Like that creates a whole kind of a discussion point. Uh, the Riveters, that that's a cool logo. Like, oh, I you know I've seen that before. Or, you know that that's a, a universally like the Whitecaps where you live in Minnesota. Everybody knows the Whitecaps there, right? Like that's a that's an identifiable brand where people are like, oh yeah, the Whitecaps. Like I I've, I've heard of them. I know what they're about. Like. I know the Broats have been running shit here for like the last 20 years, right? Like that's, I'm sure that's something that's, that's uh, discussed out there. Yeah. I mean, my friend was wearing my jersey in Arizona and some person came up to her and was like, oh, the Whitecaps, like, you know them? I mean, Katie McGovern is very (laughs) active in Arizona, but like for one human to be active on that team and in that environment and for someone out of nowhere to recognize the minnesota whitecaps logo like i mean that speaks volumes right that's why you have branding for sure yeah and i mean uh we we kind of discussed this way back before we knew the phf was ending um they kind of need to i don't know just we're having fun here at least i am uh, they need a, a kind of a Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey connection, I think, to really that would really help get like eyeballs on like you get uh, Selena Gomez involved with a player or, or somebody involved with a player that that can help drive up eyeballs and, and numbers, because ultimately that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to reach as, as many people as you can. And if you get a boost like that, like we talked about, like, would it be cool to have like Henrik Lundqvist be involved as, a, as like a team owner or or like JJ Watt or, or somebody like that, like that has a big presence and people are going to, you know, they're like, Oh, this person's involved. Like, you know, let me check out what this is about. And then that, that's how you introduced your product to, to new people. Um, I don't know. That's kind of just a far-fetched dream, but uh, we'll see what happens. It's a little different. I know with women's hockey, um, if you're listening live uh, now would be a great time to submit questions. If you haven't already, we have a whole, lot of questions so maybe i shouldn't ask for any more questions but um <laughs> thankfully ali is is feeling better tonight and she can ask some of these questions too um i updated my computer uh foolishly before we started this tonight and i was getting nervous because it was it wasn't done and i had to jump on the devil's podcast that uh that the guys that, at the site that i i work for run um and i was like oh my god my computer is not ready to update so I didn't play around with like the audio stuff. We're, so we're not going to have a player tag because I, I don't want to mess up and, and have the wrong thing kind of blurt out. And I can't figure out a way to do it on my phone while we're doing this. So you're just going to have to wait till next week to hear Lev or Allie Dunstrom or Cousin Moosey uh, introduce us as the Ice Garden. Um, Allie, you can go ahead and send Nate an invite now so we can get him on. Um, He's just... Thanks again to everybody. I panicked when you said there's no player tag. That was when I was going to send it. Uh, Yeah, that's why I was kind of like getting wordy and and really trying to just talk my way out of things. But uh, (laughs) I can hear him wrestling in the background. Yep. Can can you guys hear Uh, me all right? Sure can. We can hear you. 
we can hear you loud and clear. Excellent. Uh, both of you, did you did both of you know that you both have Wikipedia pages? Allie first. I'll ask you, you know, this is funny. I was on a Zoom call for work today, and they were like, "I want you to Google yourself right now." And so I, and it was like <laughs> your name with real estate because I saw real estate, whatever. And actually, the first thing that came up was a little Wikipedia blurb about me being a hockey player. I was like, well, that's awkward that I Googled real estate. And the first thing that comes up is hockey player. But I guess today I found out. Yeah. And what about you, Nate? Did you, were you aware that you have a Wikipedia page? Yes, I, I am aware. Um, I believe I, I don't know when it, it went live uh, or when I should say it was created. Uh, I do know that Mark from Women's Hockey Life has updated it uh, from time to time. Uh, he had shared that with me, but I have no idea who put the, who put the page together originally. And it's odd to me as well, too, especially when I know I run into somebody. Hey, you got a Wikipedia page, and uh, <laughs> I, it's not like it feels a little surreal, but it's also I don't know a little odd too. It takes some getting used to. Yeah, and and part of why I brought that up is because. Um, for those that don't know, Nate and I used to work together at the Hockey Writers, a website that covers hockey. Um, and, you know, you were you were on the other side and then you ended up progressing. You started working with the, the Buffalo Buttes. Then you eventually become kind of the de facto GM and then you became the real GM. Um, it, what was what what was that kind of transition like? And you're the GM for you end up being for three plus seasons. Um, what was that kind of transition? transition like easy for me to say tonight uh when you when you go from you know kind of critiquing teams and their moves to you become you know the 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 person that's being critiqued now yeah i you know dan and elliot i'd be lying to you if i said that it wasn't a dream come true uh because it absolutely was i i know that sounds kind of cliche or maybe a little silly but you know to be especially having written about women's hockey for as long as I had and uh, being a proponent of the game. Um, and then here I am, I find myself as the general manager for my hometown team, no less, and being able to work alongside players that in many cases I had interviewed them before or had interacted with them, um, had opportunities to rub elbows and meet in person players that I looked up to or um, you know, coaches that when they were players or were somehow else involved in the game, I had an opportunity to, you know, there are people that I admired and now here it is, you know, I have an opportunity that I'm, I'm leading the charge, so to speak, and uh, organizing a team and, and managing it. So definitely a dream come true. Uh, you know, I would say from the management piece of it, I, I've worked in management for over 20 years in addition to my work in writing. So uh, it's a cool opportunity that I will always savor and and truly relish because I, I, I recognize that it's not something that is a, a commonplace for a lot of people that got started with writing. Yeah, and I, I was on the, the Devils podcast, as I mentioned, the Let's Go Devils podcast uh, a little earlier this evening. Um, and, and they allowed me, and I always appreciate they allowed me the opportunity to talk about women's hockey at the end um, and promote stuff like tonight's show um and i mentioned you know that you're kind of living that you were kind of living the dream like a, a lot of writers you know they, they they do these mock things and and 
build a team and that kind of stuff. And uh, they wish they could be making those decisions. And I, I just, I have so much respect for you. You know that and, and uh, a little jealous that, that you kind of got to do some really cool stuff like that. Uh, but I, I do use Wikipedia a lot to kind of check on things and find references and stuff like that. And I said, you know what, let me, let me, let me look and see if Nate is actually on there. I know Ali is. Um, and what's great about Allie's is like a lot of the, the stuff that was written about her was either from myself or other people at the ice guard. I'm, I'm looking at it now. And like one of the references is, is a thing that I wrote about Allie re-signing or, or signing with the team. And, and then there's another one with uh, our friend Eleni uh, who wrote a story for the ice garden about something that says, uh, let me see, fresh prints of Tria rink. Um, <laughs> so kind of neat that, that, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a small world. Now, Nate, for you like it, it took me a little while because there's a lot of neat olivers and i was like oh damn like let me try nathaniel oliver and then like there's a whole bunch of nathaniel olivers too um but i found you <laughs> i never look up i never look up my you know to see google myself anything like that people always send me things like hey this this guy from like 1845 had your name and i'm like oh cool and there was a day named after you in, in some town in Bumblefuck, Indiana, excuse me. And uh, it's always kind of interesting, <laughs> but I don't, I don't really, you know, I've, I've had people not recently, but when I first got started in writing and, and, you know, I didn't maybe always have the best attitude, but like I had people call me names and uh, make memes about me and it, it's a little humbling. And then I just kind of stopped paying attention to it all. And you kind of just grow thick skin. Um Enough about me, though. Uh, let's get back to you, Nate. Uh, you know, it, it's it's been a it's been a long, long summer. Um, I'm sure you've had time enough to digest everything. Just what are your thoughts on the way that the things ended with the PHF and and um, what the future of women's hockey looks like in your point of from your point of view? Excuse me. Yeah, it's it's a great question, Dan, and uh, you know, I I would say I, I have I, I am of the opinion that. Uh, we did need uh, uh, one league in, in North America, and uh, but I, it's tough with the way that it went about for so many different reasons. Some of it you've touched upon already in your introduction. I would say for me personally, and just from talking with some of the players uh, that, that I had the privilege to work with and some of the staff as well too, is that I think personally I've gone through many of the stages of grief. Uh, I think when it initially happened, I, I was very much in denial. Um, I think I, I became angry after that. And, you know, I, I think as of late, it's just uh, trying to find your place in the world, uh, especially, yeah. that, you know, being with the Buttes for as long as I have. And, and the hard thing, too, is that, you know, at this point, we would have already had training camp well underway. We would have probably have done. Uh, an exhibition game by now. I mean, we would have been together as a team. And now, you know, I, I look around and as you saw today, Courtney Maud announcing her retirement. I'm seeing players that I had under contract only a matter of months ago signed with other pro teams. And while I'm elated for them and happy for them that their careers are continuing, it it's tough to because uh, you almost feel like a sense of ownership over it. Like, well, well, those are my buttes. They, you know, they, they, yeah, they were supposed to be here in Buffalo and now, you know, they're, they're playing elsewhere. So it's on a personal level, it, it's really hard to reconcile with. And, and I do think it's going to take me quite a bit more time to, to get through it. But I think in the grand scheme of things and overall, it's, uh, it, it's, it's good for women's hockey. I just, I wish it might have gone down differently than what it did. 
Yeah, that's the the part that, it, especially for me, like I I just I have a I keep stubbing my toe on. It's like this could have been. We talked about last week, like this should have been like a, a PHF farewell season. Like have 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 your you know kind of sales for merchandise and that kind of stuff, and and get a, a chance to properly maybe say goodbye to your fans, and then with the assumption and and belief that. The following season, there's going to be a merger. There's going to be an acquisition, whatever. But there's only going to be one league, and and everybody's going to kind of be under the same roof, uh, whether in a fair or not fashion. Um, regardless of that, um, you mentioned uh, Courtney Maud uh, retiring, and and probably you guys would have been playing together. Uh, you told me last year around this time, or maybe a little bit later, uh, you guys were were supposed to maybe play a team from overseas, correct? Uh, like a yeah. preseason kind of match. Yeah, um, it was something that we were had tried to put together, um, and I don't, I don't know how much the, the fans know about this, if at all. But uh, we had uh, looked at last, not this past summer, but the summer prior to that, um, playing exhibition uh, with Frölunda from Sweden. Uh, Kim Martin Hassan is a friend of mine, and it was something that we had discussed. Um, having either them come over here or us going to Sweden. Um, a really good friend of mine, Maya Hassan and Sulema, who's the team manager for HBK in Finland. Um, you know, I, I consider her one of my, my closest friends in hockey, something that we had also discussed as well too. And I was really hoping that we might've been able to have it come to fruition, at least for one of those teams um, to do his exhibition for uh, what would have been this season. Um, obviously it wasn't in the cards for that, but uh, you know, I, I think the stage was, was set, especially when you look at the level of talent that has been in both of those countries in Sweden and Finland, uh, you know, particularly in the SDHL and just some of the success that players who have played for the Buttes uh, are finding overseas now and uh, in the Scandinavian region and, and have found there in the past. So it would have been really cool if, if it had come to fruition. Yeah, and you mentioned all the, the, the players that you have contact with and, and are friendly with and have these relationships. Like, that was what I think was a huge asset for you until maybe um, something we'll get into a little bit later. But um, I think that was a huge asset for you because you already knew who a lot of the players you were targeting, like, and you knew about them. You knew what kind of people they were. And I, th- I think that was a huge advantage for you. And then it was just a matter of, like, you probably have to try and convince them to, to come to Buffalo or to the league or whatever. Like good players are going to, I never worried about you finding good players. Um, what are you going to do? Like what's, what's, I know you have a, a, an additional job, uh, you know, uh, aside from doing the GM stuff for the Buttes, but like what's your, like what, what's your next step as far as hockey stuff goes? Like, do you want to just kind of sit back and chill and, and just kind of maybe be a fan or, or what do you want to, you want to come right at, at the ice garden? Like, <laughs> you know, we have, yeah, I think we've, we already have the, the quota of two white bald straight guys, but you have, <laughs> you have beautiful feathered hair, long, luscious, more hair than Mike and I will probably ever see in our lives. But um, what, what would you ever want to get back into writing? Is that, is that something you'd be interested in? Yeah, you know, I think, like I said, Dan, I think the the thing that's hardest for me right now is finding that that sense of direction, that sense of purpose again. Um, you know, I, I I'm not trying to to sound, uh, you know, like 
over the top about it, but it, it, it's it's definitely painful. And, and I'm far from the only person that's going through it. A lot of people are are, are going through it. I you know you like I mentioned you had alluded to it earlier, and um, and I think you know what a tough decision that must have been for Courtney to announce her retirement. So I know I'm far from the only person that is trying to navigate through those emotions right now. So there is some sense of solidarity of being in the same boat and really a lot of people were impacted by it, whether it's writers, whether it's fans, whether it's the players, the staff, the community. I mean, so many people have been impacted by this happening. Um, so we're all trying to navigate through it together. So with that being said, uh, I've considered all of those things. You know, I, I really enjoyed writing it, it, I got to meet some many wonderful people and really good friends such as you and Mike and um, I mean, you name it, Angelica Rodriguez, Lisa Burgess, Ryan Bur I mean, I could go on and on, Michelle J, just like all the people that I, I got to know initially through journalism and through writing um, that have become friends of mine and, coll and colleagues. Uh, you know, I, I definitely miss that part of it as well, too. So the thoughts crossed my mind. Um, I definitely want to stay involved in the women's game. I think what I've been doing right now is just trying to follow uh, the players that, that I've gotten to know and just being in their corner and being uh you know an advocate for them and cheering them on uh, you know amy buddy's playing with the lakers now over in the ewhl uh I amy buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely um i texted with uh kelly babstock earlier today and i was texting with dom kramer lolo and i texted today you know i i still want to follow what each of them is doing and just be in their corner on a personal level, right? Because you, you you care about them. Sure. And yeah, yeah. Important to you. So, for the time being, I think I'm 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 more so just doing that as trying to support the the folks that I had the privilege to work with. Uh, I'm gonna let Ali take it, take things away in one second. I just want to. You mentioned uh, Dominique Kramer. That was the first player that you signed. Am I correct in, in believing that? So funny thing about that, uh, I, I get officially I get, announced. <laughs> yes, that, that was the first player that was officially announced that I had signed. But technically, the first player that I had signed to a contract was Cassie McPherson. Okay, okay. Let's see. A little, a little trivia for you folks. Yes. Yes. But in terms of announcement, the first one to get properly announced was uh, Dominique Kramer. Yeah, newsflash, folks. They don't announce things in in the order that they happen. Um, I'm just gonna that that was like always a key or uh, uh, not a key, a, a constant um, from like almost day one of of this iteration of of women's hockey league. Like they they announce things the way that they want to announce it, and, and it was all for to try and create uh, multiple attention grabbing headlines and stuff like that. Um, all right, Allie, go ahead, take it away. I'll shut up. <laughs> all right well since we're reminiscing um nate what is your all-time favorite huge memory oh gosh that that's a really tough question um i would say i would say the one that really just felt the most right like the one where i just i felt like in the moment and i was genuinely happy was the outdoor game when we beat Toronto uh, three, three, nothing CJ was just unstoppable in that, um, you know, shutting them down. And uh, the funny thing we were, Bucky was on Toronto at the time. And I remember she skated over to Dom Kramer and said, well, what are you guys going to do? You're just going to trap the whole game. Cause we, we were doing a neutral zone trap against them and it, and it worked. Um, and like I said, CJ was phenomenal in that. 
uh, Claudia Kepler, uh, she blasted home a shot off of a pass from Cassidy Vinkel. And then Audie McDougal and Dom Kramer both added empty netters to seal the victory. But nobody gave us a chance of winning that game. Uh, we were on a losing streak. I mean, we, we were still finishing at the bottom of the barrel for, for that the league that season. But and I, and I forget what Toronto, what they were at the time. I think they had gone like eight or nine games undefeated. And I don't really think anybody gave us a chance. And here we were, you know, we, we just shut them down. And I remember looking over on, on – their bench and their coaches were frustrated their players were frustrated and then the nicest thing for me was the place just erupted at at riverworks you know outdoors there and it was a sunny afternoon i remember it was like 60 degrees out unseasonably warm but um the players mj pelletier specifically uh and a number of the other players cj dom they invited me to come out onto the ice with them and celebrate so that was always kind of special and um, Mike Hetzel, who's our team photographer since day one, uh, and there was also a gentleman there from the Buffalo News, um, snapped some photos to uh, really capture it permanently. But I, if I had to pick one moment that uh, maybe was the, the one that I was ha- the happiest, I'd have to say it was that. That's a pretty, pretty fair answer. Fun, shocking outdoor game. Outdoor games are fun in general, but for you guys to come out and, like you said, kind of no one really expected you guys to you know, win, let alone shut them down. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm no one in this, in this sentence. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Bucky, I guess, I don't know if this will be the answer, but leads me right into my next question. Um, what was your toughest negotiation as a GM? Oh gosh, um, I don't. I don't know that there was one in particular. Uh, like it, that's it's definitely a fair question. But what I can say, and I think people would think that this is interesting, is that the negotiations definitely got more challenging as more money became involved. Uh, and not in that. I don't mean that at all to say that um, people were greedy because that was not the case. It, it was more uh, trying to figure out. Okay, well the money is increasing and where do I fit in with that? What, what, what is a, a proper salary that, that I should be earning and why that's tricky to, to navigate or understand is you got to figure my, my first season of working for the Buttes, uh, most of the players were only paid like $4,000, $5,000, right? So yep. then my last two seasons with the Buttes, you went from minimum salary jumped up to 13500 and then, you know, we're looking at the most recently, the, the minimum salary was $30,000. So especially, especially if you were a player that was making four or five grand um, and had been in the league for that time. And now, you know, now we're talking that the minimum's 30. I think it was tough for people to kind of figure out, all right, well, where do I fall in with that? It's new for all of us. Um, so I don't know that there was one particularly tough negotiation. Um to get back to what you were saying about Bucky's, I would say hers was relatively easy. Uh, she really wanted to play in Buffalo. We had a really great relationship and rapport together from when she finished up her time at Merrimack and, giant, and joined us really late, uh, along with Leah Christine Demers uh, at the end of the 2019-20 season. And, you know, they were both just fresh-faced kids out of college coming to join us late in the season. And I kind of really helped get them situated, you know, with doing their headshot photos and what it's like on game day, getting them situated at the bus and their hotel rooms and 
just getting them on board into the the pro game. And Bucky and I kind of became close from there. Um, and when we started talking about her returning to Buffalo, it was actually a really easy conversation because we felt really comfortable with each other. Um, and I, again, just yet another person. I mean, the, the list is almost endless um, that I really just enjoyed the time that I got to work with. She, Bucky's a marvelous person, a phenomenal hockey player. Yeah, I suppose. I I forget that she finished up school and then went right to you guys. Yeah, she played. We played two games uh, against Metro in New Jersey, where she and Leah had joined us, and then uh, we played a play-in game for the postseason uh, against Connecticut. And I don't remember her exact stats, but she was better than a point per game through those three games, um, and really showed right off the bat that she was a very special player. Yeah, yeah, she for sure did. Hey, what what was that number that that she signed for? Because there was a lot of dispute over what was made public, and you told me a couple of times, like that's not accurate. That's not accurate. Like, what what was the actual number? If you if you want to share that with us, uh, I don't think I'll share it exactly because I think you know, especially with some of the negotiations and stuff. Even though you know, obviously the league's not here anymore. In, in my opinion, I always felt that those types of things were the players up up to you know it, it was their business, right? So the one thing that I used to get asked a lot too was, okay, well, salary disclosures. I I wanted to support our players no matter what they decided, whether they wanted to um, uh, share their salary, whether they didn't, no matter what they picked. There was a, a form th- that we had to sign off on, a salary uh, disclosure consent form. And the players signed it, the GM signed it, and the league signed it. Uh, and it didn't really matter to me what the players wanted to disclose if they wanted to share it. Um, I signed it because that's what they felt comfortable with. Uh, and if they didn't want to disclose, I signed it, you know, that they that they didn't want to disclose. And whatever they picked, whatever their comfort level was, um, that's what uh, I wanted to go by out of respect for them and, and what their wishes were. And so uh, the numbers that reported were very close, but nobody ever said the exact number, which I, it, in some ways I find amusing. <laughs> that, that's awesome. I had to ask. I got to do my job. Uh, I know we're friends. I never really asked you you know, when you were on the job, those kind of things, because I don't want, I never wanted you to feel like put you in a weird spot where you, you felt like you, you bad if you couldn't tell me something. So um, that's, that's okay. We'll leave that for, up for, well, maybe somebody one day will figure it out and all the numbers out there. That's, I'll, that's, I'll put it this way. If, if Bucky would want it shared, then I, I would have no problem with sharing yeah, it. And, and that's, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that stance where like, I understand that it, it's important for players to kind of get market value and know how they should be judged. But I'm also of the opinion, like if they don't want to disclose it, like then don't disclose it, like no big deal. Like I, I wouldn't, you know, necessarily want people knowing what I make. Not that I'm, I'm a secretive person like that. It's just one of those kind of personal informations. Other people are wired differently and, and that's okay too. Like um, we had uh, last week, we had CJ on uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, we had Taylor Kersey on. Um, two players that, like, I'm, I was, you know, if we're being honest, I was stunned that they didn't finish their careers um, in Butte uniforms. Any any insight as to why that, that maybe things went down the way they did? I feel like it wasn't necessarily your choice, but maybe somebody kind of reaching over your shoulder or or kind of butting in and saying, hey, like, like I know you, you think you want to do this, but what you really want to do is this instead. Is that maybe what the case was with those two and maybe some other players as well? 
Yeah, I would say in general, I, I, you know, I, and I don't really know how other GMs operated around the league. Um, one thing with me is that I was definitely not a micromanager and I didn't want to ever dictate the roster to, uh, to the coaching staff. Um, I, I, I felt that, you know, there were certainly players that I advocated for. There was players that, you know, I either knew them very well as people and or had seen what they had done um, either in our league or in other leagues. Uh, and so, you know, I, I would certainly offer my insight, but I, I was never the type of GM that would want to say to the coaches, okay, well, I'm going to assemble this roster and now you got to go ahead and coach it. I, I just didn't think that that was right or, or fair. I think, you know, certain things happen along the way and, and certainly nothing, you know, I, I care about both Kurs and, and CJ. In fact, I was just, like I said, I, I may have mentioned it earlier, I was texting with CJ uh, earlier this, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, things, things happen in, in the business part of it. Right. Um, you know, with, with Kersey, one thing that was tough for us to navigate when she was with us is that she was working full time as a police officer. Um, and I I think people, you know, I, I had seen a fan, uh, had commented, um, I think when you had Taylor on, on the show was about her and Hunter, like, Oh, we could have had two of them. Well, we did have two of them. The, the 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 season that we played in Lake Placid, both the Kersey sisters were signed. And um, the tough thing was is that Taylor's employer at the time would not uh, let her take that leave of absence because all that was going on with with COVID. Um, sure. So yeah, yeah. Those those types of things became trickier to navigate, especially when you know you have other players that are maybe moving from another country or moving from far you know from far away in north america that um they're able to you know make all the events and and all the practices and and be at all the games and uh i think as the league grew to have more games and larger salaries it was tougher for you to have more of what i would call like weekend warriors so to speak in your lineup and that and that kind of made things tricky as well too yeah, uh, Colleen Murphy was one of those weekend warriors, especially in the, the early days. She was flying in. I know the season she played here with the Rivers, she was flying in, uh, maybe practice on a Friday if they had to skate, uh, maybe not, and meet the team in Minnesota or wherever they were playing and um, just kind of show up and play. She was training on her own, but, like, you know, like you said, the, the league starts progressing forward. People are making more money. People are dedicating more time and, uh, those players that couldn't show up all the time that that unfortunately put them on the outs because that was the the next kind of next level next step taking um it's tough um i every player i talk to i ask you know what was it like um you know when during during your tenure i would always ask youth players you know what what was it what's it like playing for Nate uh having a gm like that like and, and obviously i know the type of person you are and the people listening who know you know the type of person you are but um I, I I was I never I don't know if I've ever told anybody maybe you've you've talked about it but like you yourself and your wife right you would make these kind of welcome baskets for players when they came to Buffalo to kind of make them feel at home um, and feel welcomed and just kind of like eh, those are nice things to do like those are things that you mentioned you don't know what other GMs do I don't think if, if I had a bet I don't I don't know if other GMs were doing that Allie was was Jack Brote bringing like. Uh, gift baskets over to welcome you to the to the Whitecaps uh, new players. No gift baskets from Jack. Just chirp sometimes. <laughs> just well well timed and, and savvy chirps. Yes. Um, 
but Nate, can you just expound upon that a little bit as, as kind of the, the way that you handled bringing players to Buffalo? Yeah, that no, thanks for bringing that up, Dan. I, it, in some ways, like you, I, I forgot, um, you know, that, that we did that, but it, it's because it, it became, you know, just something that was part of the norm when, when we brought players on, on board. And I'll go, I, I'll kind of segue into that uh, while finishing up uh, what, what we were talking about with Kurz and CJ and just other players as well, too, is that one thing that I, that I always really tried my darndest at, I, I don't know that, um, you know, nobody's perfect, right? But one thing that I always really tried to do my very best at is that, you, ha- you do have to wear two different hats in this. You have the one hat that's your business hat um, and trying to make decisions like that that uh, you do with feedback from ownership and thoughts from your coaching staff and uh, trainers and that sort of thing put together. But then you also have uh, your, your your hat that you wear where you really care about the person. Um, and I always want to make sure that I put the person ahead of the, the business part of it. One thing that I, I would always say to players, especially when, I was first introducing them to what the Buttes were all about and what I felt their organization was all about is, uh, and it, it sounds maybe a bit corny or whatnot, but I, I think that life is about what you can do for others and being a service to others. And people might forget what you said to them or showed them, but nobody ever forgets how you made them feel. And if you can foster an environment where your players feel safe and respected and comfortable, I, I don't care, you know, what, environment you're talking about or what industry whether it's hockey or education or military or you know you you have you name it um if you're comfortable in your environment I, I think it naturally leads to you performing at your very best so one thing that i always wanted to make sure we did for our players is that i wanted them to feel welcome here and so especially for players that came from far away and didn't really know the lay of the land re- were relocating here and Let's face it. I mean, some of them were fresh out of college, um, very young players. Um, we would put gift baskets together for them just to ease that part of, of their their burden while they were coming to a new town. So we'd put like you know laundry detergent in there and and soap and towels and some snacks and uh, you know some grocery bags and things like that um, that would be beneficial for them just to have around the house. Uh, and then just like smaller stuff as well, too, like little like toys and trinkets. I used to do um, Christmas stockings, holiday stockings in the locker room. So whatever our last practice or game was before the winter break, uh, we'd hang up a stocking for each of the players with just some little goodies in there to let them know that we were thinking about them. Um, and, and even with uh, our training camp, like, yes, a good portion of it was spent on the ice and uh, in the weight room and, and doing workouts like that. But I also really always was a proponent of, of team building. And we did things like go to Lasertron uh, for playing laser tag. We did a, a photo scavenger hunt around Buffalo. Just anything that could unify the team and um, make them feel good about themselves and, and so that the hockey would more come, come more naturally, I guess you could say. I heard I heard that your house was one of the items on the scavenger hunt. Is that correct? Or one of the scavenger hunts? It was. And if, if <laughs> I remember if I remember correctly, I think it was the team of Dom Kramer, Aaron Gian, Brittany Colton, and there's one other player that was in that group that I'm I'm gonna forget. They got bonus points because they took a photo not only with my house but with my wife. 
<laughs> that's that's the way that fucking cozy up to the uh, to the to the GM. Uh, that's awesome. I I love stuff like that. I love I love that we have this platform and can allow you to kind of tell those stories better, way better than I could, uh, for sure. Um, I got so tripped up at the beginning of the episode. I didn't mention uh, this is our thirtieth episode. That's that's pretty freaking awesome. Um, congratulations to us, Allie. Uh, virtual Woo! high five. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think, I think we might need to get a logo. Finally, we have, we don't have a logo. You know, we have like the Ice Garden logo, but we don't have like our own logo. Logo. So, hey, if anybody's listening and you're creative like that, and you want to, you know, just shoot me something, like, uh, just slide in DMs or or Allie or Mike. Um, we'd we'd love something like that. Um, uh, thanks to everybody who's been listening live. We we're almost at an hour length. We're gonna try and. Wrap up our portion and get to our listener questions. We're definitely going over an hour tonight. That's for sure. <laughs> um, hopefully you don't mind staying up a little bit later. Uh, Allie's in the past, so it doesn't matter for her really. But um, Allie, go ahead. Take it away. You're, you're up next. All right. I, I just come in with all the hard hitters, Nate. So prepare yourself. All right. I'm ready to go. All right. From your tenure with the Buttes, what is your all-time Buttes starting lineup? Oh my gosh! Yeah, you, <laughs> all right. Does it have to be players from when I was with the the team, or can it be yeah. players on the whole, like just through the eight year history? Just, just from when you were there. Oh man, you're making it yeah. really. <laughs> yep. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. If I if I'm going forwards, let let's start there. Um. Well, definitely Kurz has to be one of one of the wingers. So Taylor Kersey, um, got to put her up there. Uh, ooh, gosh, you're making this really hard. Um, I'm gonna change tact a little bit. I'll put Dom as one of the D. Um, I can put MJ Pelletier as one of the D. Uh. The hardest one is going to be goal. Um, <laughs> is there a, you're pretty unfair. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I'll, I'll do a 1A and a 1B, CJ and Lolo. I was uh, it's so perfect. And I got to pick. How many more forwards do I got to pick? Two? You got a center and a wing or whatever. Two forwards. Two forwards. Um, one more forward I got to pick. Who did I say so far? Kersey and... Curzy Kramer. Okay, so I got to pick two more MJ. forwards. Two yeah. more yeah, forwards. So I, got, yep. I got MJ and Dom on D. I got CJ and Lolo and Nat. I got Curzy up front. Well, you got to put you got to put Cass McPherson because she has the Buttes record for most games played, uh, most underrated player in in our league's history. Um, so I'll put Cass up there as well too. And then, oh, the last pick is really really hard. Um, I'll go with Bucky. All right, I think that's a that's a pretty that's good, solid lineup. That's a nice squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're making me feel bad because I'm leaving people out. Well, uh, you're a nice guy, and that's we want to put you on the spot a little bit. So it'll, it'll be all right. Nobody, nobody, everybody listening, disclaimer: don't get your feelings hurt. We're just doing this for entertainment purposes. <laughs> We just wanted Nate to squirm a little bit and wanted to crack a smile here and there. So uh, yeah, go ahead, Allie. Mission, I'm sorry. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. 
we'll lighten the mood a little bit with a uh, with the previous um, Mike Murphy question. Um, what hockey related items do you have in your vehicle? In my vehicle, uh, this is gonna. This, I, I I don't know why it's in my vehicle, but it, it's in there. I have a broken gel Diffendale stick. I know is in is in my trunk. Ooh. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know how it got in there. I think it was maybe just like unpacking the locker room or something like that. It's broken. Uh, I don't know what, what good it's going to do other than um, be a keepsake. I probably have some disposable gloves and uh, some labels from when we were doing weekly COVID testing uh, during the, 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 the COVID during the Lake Placid season. Um but yeah, I think that's the only thing that I actually have in my vehicle that's hockey related is a broken gel Diffendel stick. All right. No that's... roller What was that? No rollerblades? No, the rollerblades are in the garage. I got I also have a really, really old pair of tax ice skates in the in the garage too. I got Ooh. a lot of stuff in the garage. <laughs> I just right. had to check because we got rollerblades the last couple of weeks, so I just had to had to make no, sure. No rollerblades. I got them, but they're not in the car. All right. Well, we got a we that was as Ali said that was a former Mike Murphy question, and we've we've made that a regular now. That's that's a great like it it blew my mind, and everybody's got like these different answers. I think Nate by far has the most uh, random, we'll say. Yeah, one of his players sticks. Hey, like if you ever break down and your leg gets hurt, like you have something to make a split out of, maybe. Who knows? Like <laughs> it actually looks like um, that too. Because it looks like parts of a splint, it's still got the hockey tape on it, it's kind of dangling or whatever. So Yeah, so you never know. You never know. And and it's also a, you know, unfortunately a souvenir, I guess, of uh everything. Uh Cass played did, did she play with you? She played at Providence, right, Allie? Yep, she was a freshman when I was a senior. So spent a lot of time with her. We were all out there the summer before that season, so we actually spent almost a whole calendar year together. Yeah. Okay. All right. So she was like a little baby, little baby yeah. sister. <laughs> we had a class of seven, I think, freshmen, because there was a class of five of us graduating. So they had a pretty big class. Christina Putino was in that class. It was a pretty Bam. heavy class. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that was that's pretty stacked. Um, Nate, how did you, you know, you had signed a bunch of players for this upcoming season that's uh, no longer happening. You, you signed a couple of international players that really caught everybody's attention, a pair of national team players from Japan, correct? Uh, how did yeah. that all come about? Yeah, uh, great question. So uh, Akane and Aoi Shiga, um, I, that's, you know, I, I could think of countless things that, are kind of like gut punches that I, I never got to see come to fruition. And that was definitely a big one. Um, I was fortunate enough that uh, the world, the women's world, the most recent one was up in, in Brampton. Uh, and that's, you know, a little bit less than a two hour drive from Buffalo. Uh, I got to make uh, most of the games of the tournament uh, and was able to do some, a, a good amount of scouting while I was up there um, by total happenstance. Baller. What's that? Baller, yeah. Baller. <laughs> um, 
by by happenstance though uh and dan you might uh, maybe i don't know if you guys would know him dan i think you might know him just because he was uh the very first gm in uh connecticut whale history but harry rosenholtz um he's done a lot of work uh internationally uh for for women's hockey uh i think I he's been you know harry Allie? i do yes yeah. i don't okay <laughs> Yeah, really good guy. Um, he's, I think most recently, he's been like the head coach for Spain's women's national team. Uh, he's done some work with Taylor with Silk. Uh, they've done some camps and some coaching in Spain, I think a bit in Iceland. I mean, he goes all over the world. Well, uh, Japan's, uh, their, their uh, hockey federation had connected with him. And they were really looking for an opportunity. Uh, well, I should, I should, when I say they, I should clarify uh, the two sisters, Akane and Ai. Um, they were looking to to come over and play in North America, seeing what the PHF had become a, at the time, and uh, were really wanting to have an opportunity to showcase their talents and their abilities. I think, especially after having participated in um, in in playing in, in Brampton as well, too. So. Uh, it would have been awesome if I had, if I had had the opportunity to, to work with them. Um, in all honesty, I had been watching IE for, for quite some time. Uh, she had actually played at the U 18s in Buffalo, um, back in 2015. Um, so I was fortunate enough to see her there, uh, at that U 18 tournament. Um, so kind of always kept tabs on her from there, but they were a real delight. Um, I, I loved my meetings with them. I, I was very excited to get them on board. And like I said, it's kind of a gut punch that it, it never could come to fruition. But uh, I think our fans especially would have really liked them. Real quick, it's safe to assume this wasn't like a publicity stunt, like when Connecticut brought that player over, right, from the international draft? No, not at all. Um, I mean, if if you know anything like about Aoi and Akane, and I, I think – I mean, I, I projected Akane to be a top six forward for us. Um, I mean, she really is a sniper and a, a very uh, exciting uh, forward to just have out on the ice. Um, I think we kind of, you know, I, I, I think maybe I surprised a few people with, with that, with those signings there. And I, I, I'm not entirely sure, I, you know, where she would have fallen in our depth chart because I could have seen her either being bottom three or top three on D. Um, I think she really could have come into her own um, once she got comfortable and uh, had a chance to showcase what she could do as well, too. But definitely uh, were professional level players. Uh, I, I do know that um, Akane is, is trying to get in um, with the new league, um, had registered for the draft, uh, and kind of had her name out there. Um, so I do think they'll end up in North America eventually. Uh, and I think people will be pretty happy with uh, just having the opportunity to see them play with maybe some more regularity because they're both uh, very talented players. And I was excited to have them be boots. Yeah, you definitely caught my attention. And I'm sure a lot of my colleagues as well. When we got those signings, we had no idea uh, that was, that was coming down the pike. So that was Unfortunately, another, another, like you said, things that we don't get to see. Uh, real quick, how close were you to naming a coach? Because that was something that was kind of left unbuttoned uh, when uh, Thanos snapped his fingers, so to speak. Yes. Um, real quick, to just to add uh, about 
um, the Shiga sisters is that uh, just to further emphasize how serious we were, you probably remember that we signed them to two year deals. Um, they were, yes, were going to start yes. this season. So I think that's important to mention as well, too, that we were invested in them for the long haul and they were invested in us. So again, it's, it's tough that it didn't come to fruition, but yeah, in terms of the head coaching search, very, very close. Um, obviously I'm glad, uh, with the way that things ended that we didn't, um, have that position finalized because it would have left that person without a job. Um, I, I can share, and again, kind of similarly to how I feel about some of the, the player signings and the contracts that we did is that uh, the coaching candidates that we had spoken to and including the person that was my topmost choice, um, don't really want to go into too much detail out of it, out of respect for that person, their privacy, especially they would have been leaving another program uh, to come to ours. But uh, at least initially we had over, 40 different people apply for the position. Um, it was a very lengthy process. Uh, of those 40, I narrowed it down to uh, about 10 folks that I thought were were really what we were looking for in terms of doing initial interviews and what they might bring to the pro game and what they might be bring to the Buttes. From there, I narrowed it down to about a top four that did secondary interviews with myself and with ownership. Uh, and then I, I really, you know, had the person that I wanted to bring aboard and bring them aboard for the long haul. Um, we were going to uh, ideally do a three year contract. Um, and again, you know, I guess things do happen for a reason. I've kind of always believed that that at least in the important matters in life, there, there really isn't such thing as coincidence. Um, so while it's it's really tough what ended up happening, um, I'm thankful that we didn't finalize the head coach because I, I just, I wouldn't want to put somebody in, in the situation that many of the staff and the players are, are now having to work through themselves. Well, on behalf of all the other journalists, I'd like to apologize included for saying, yeah, we think the coach is about to be named this week and then getting fans all hyped and hope and built up and, and nothing happened. Um, does it get loud? You know, and, and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, the, the pressure of uh, going from, you know, uh, writer, fan of the game to GM. But, like, does it get loud when things aren't going great? And obviously there were there were more losses than wins. Um, does, it, does it get loud? Like, how do you – how were you able to kind of maybe compart, compartmentalize uh, everything? Uh, we're here – excuse me, we're, we're also here with Nate Oliver on, around the rink. I just wanted to say that because we've passed – uh, the hour mark. Um, so thanks everybody if you're tuning in live or if you listen to us uh, on replay on podcast, however you want to say it. Uh, we appreciate you so much. Uh, but yeah, so does does it, those noises get loud when you're when your things aren't as successful as you'd like them to be? Yeah, and you know, and it comes with the territory. I mean, I, I've said it a few times, and and I and I mean it is that in it, situations like that, you do need to be the calmest person in the room. Uh, and, you know, I don't really like the the cliche or the, the, the adage of never let them see you sweat, but I think there's some of that in there as well too. Um, trust me when I say that, yeah, I, I, I'm certainly, there, there's a part of me, maybe a big part of me that feels that I failed Buffalo or that I failed our fans, failed our players. Um, 
in that I wasn't able to put a winning team together. Uh, and that's something that does weigh on me uh, quite extensively. You know, I, 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 one thing that I think in life that you can do in, in order to find success is you visualize it. And I shared with our players a number of times, like I, I truly would have images in my head, you know, sometimes while I'm trying to sleep or sometimes when I would be preparing for the upcoming season of seeing their names like that, that addition of the Buttes, no matter what, you know, whatever season it was that I was working with the team, seeing their names inscribed on the Isabel Cup or seeing that on ice celebration, just visualizing it in my head um, with each of them getting to raise the cup. I, you know, I think of Cass McPherson again. I mean, Cass and I have uh, been really close both personally and professionally. Um, I've been really proud of her uh, as I am for as I'm proud of all of our players, but particularly proud of Cass for the amount of time that we work together. And I, I feel bad. I feel guilty that here she was the longest tenure Buttes played more games than anybody else. And I couldn't deliver a winning team to her. Um, so I think in terms of any pressure or stress out there, um, I, I put a lot of it on, on myself uh, because I, I, I care. And I, I think a big part of it as well too, is that, you know, I, I wasn't somebody that, relocated or you know stumbled upon buffalo or applied for this job i mean this is my hometown team i'm born and raised buffalonian i've lived here all of my 43 years and i'm just as much a buffalo sports fan as any of our fans were of the buttes and you know i think of like um the tiedemann brothers that you know have been season ticket holders since the very first season and i you know i i think of deb krizani who passed away and yeah you know uh just any of the any of the folks that have been with us for such a long time and i can't help but feel in some ways that i i let those people down by not being able to put a a winning team together now i know that there's a lot of factors to that and some of that comes down to you know uh what other staff and support you have and what ownerships but having to put behind those things but i think because of the length of time that I was around the team and the fact that I, you know, I just bleed Buffalo sports. Um, you know, I really wanted to bring that together and, you know, there's always the, what might've been, you know, especially when I think of the players that we're working on signing in and the head coach. Yeah. It's, that's always the, the, what could have been. And, um, you mentioned a, a few times, like you care and, and you really cared and, and, um, you're like I said. You're one of the nicest people I've ever met, and like I know it ate you alive to not be able to to have that success in wins and losses. But I think more than anything, like you earned the respect of a lot of people just for the way that you ran things. And I know, especially for the players that that not only played for you, but some of the players that played against you, like you had that respect. Um, and in some ways, that that means more than any trophy or anything like that. At least to me. Um, we're so thankful that you've joined us tonight for so long. Um, I had a couple other things I want to get to, but they're not really that important. So we're just going to skip that. We're going to, we're going to dive into the the listener questions, uh, because there are a bunch of them. Um, I'm going to read this first one. And then Allie, I want you to read Mike's because, uh, you had the week, you had the week off last week, uh, as far as answering uh, reading off some of these questions that can sometimes be tongue twisters. Last week, <laughs> yeah, and and there wasn't any mic questions last week anyway, and and uh, CJ was kind of bummed about that, but I know. Uh, 
Thomas Burke asked, uh, he said, I would love to know what Nate and the crew think about the importance of volunteers and how the climate around the new league encourages or discourages helpers due to unreasonable selection of players following PW arrogant boxing out of PHF entire culture. Um, I don't know how to really address that in, in a, a short form answer. I, I will say, I think they need to hire more people than they're not going to hire. Like they need, they need to have a lot of hands on deck. Nate, you can speak to that maybe. And, and Allie can too, because I know Allie was part of game day operations and held multiple positions for the white caps in and around the ice. And sometimes the announcers box and those kind of things. But um, these teams, when they're preparing to, to, host these games wherever they're hosting them, uh, which also hasn't been announced yet. Uh, it, it takes a village, right? It, and you, need, you need to find volunteers and, um, and you have to hire a staff that's going to be able to help you, correct? Well, absolutely you do. And, and I think that's one thing that maybe doesn't get discussed enough. And um, I think some of the people that were around the team as much as they were, um, whether it be the fans or, um, you know, folks especially helped out with uh, – game day operations, Ryan Burgess, um, you know, Austin Shannon, who was with us, they got to see it is that your volunteers can make or break you. Um, And we, you know, I had a formula for what I thought the perfect number of volunteers that you needed on game day in order to have a successful operation. Um, It it can really waver from there uh, slightly, you know, like, you certainly need to have like, there's certainly a bare bones minimum that you just can't go below. Um, and there's certainly something to be said for having too many, but your volunteers are so critical um, for your overall success for getting the game underway uh, on game days and just having yourself run a smooth event. So I don't know how many people knew this, but uh, Mike Hetzel, uh, who's our photographer since day one from the Buttes, his wife, Mary, was one of our longest standing volunteers. And Mary was phenomenal. She could do any sort of the roles that were needed. She primarily helped out at the ticketing table um, and getting folks selling their tickets, collecting their tickets, giving them wristbands. Um, she really didn't miss much of a game. She did a lot of that this past season while she was pregnant and uh, with their first child. And uh, Mary was just phenomenal. And she did it all volunteer. Um, and you know, she wasn't the only one that we had. The other thing too, that I can say just from my own personal experience is that you should never hesitate to volunteer. I think there's a mindset out there. Well, you know, if I'm going to do something and I do it well, I should be paid for it. And while I I definitely think there's truth to that, there's also, you kind of need to know like where you can also offer up your, your skills and your talents in a volunteer basis. And what I mean from that, from my personal side of it is that what originally got my foot in the door with the Buttes um, before the season before I started working with the, the team was I was asked by the NWHL at the time if I wanted to um, do some feature reporting for them for the Buttes and uh, and then it led into the community relations positions that, that I had with the team uh, in my first season working for them and I started off as all volunteer. And I think when people see that, okay, well, somebody's willing to do something because they care for the cause and it's important to them and they're willing to offer up their time and services, it can lead to other opportunities, which happened for me and has happened for for other people as well, too. So the long and short of it is is that your volunteers are critical to your overall successful operation. And I would hope that the the new league is able to invest in that in, in their markets and get reliable folks on board that 
want to see the growth of women's hockey. You're with that. You mentioned the trip to New Jersey when Bucky uh, and the goaltender, I, I don't remember her name. I know you do. Uh, when they, when they made their debuts by that time, you were pretty much the assistant GM, although it wasn't really your official title. You were, you were the only kind of uh, leadership figure other than coaches right on the, on these, these road trips for your team. Correct. Yeah, in the back half of the season, um, and that, and again, that kind of really led to the opportunity to become GM. Um, uh, it was actually Danny Ryland and Shelley Picard, who was deputy uh, commissioner at the time, that offered me the the position as GM. But again, I think it it was because, and I'm not tooting my own horn, but I, I guess I'm just trying to prove a point that if you volunteer your time, it can it can lead to opportunities. Was yeah, we, we needed a, somebody that was responsible for getting our players to and from games, making sure the hotel reservations were situated and the bus and their meals and, you know, all the logistics of getting around for games. And um, I needed to step up to do that, especially in the back half of the 2019-20 season. Uh, and I do think it created other opportunities for me, but it also ensured that our players could just focus on hockey and that was the mindset I took for, for any of our, our dealings with the team is that let me worry about everything else. You players, you focus on playing the game and you coaches, you focus on coaching the game and, um, you know, I'll handle the rest. Hey, at that rink real quick, do you remember, was, was the, was it the key to the locker room that was on that big block of wood or was that to the bathroom? No, it was the locker room. In fact, I think you snapped <laughs> a few photos of it. Um, yeah. It was the, the largest, key tag in the world it was like holding a you know half of a two by four the other thing that was really funny about that rink um and i don't know how many people know this but the boards there were exceptionally high they were ridiculously high i'm surprised that players hopping over them you know didn't like twist an ankle or anything like that but mj pelletier who is only four foot eleven the boards were so high she had to leap through the air and kind of get the upper portion of her body over the board. And then we'd pull her up into the bench. That's how high the boards were. It was crazy. Hey, Allie, you, you're a, an, an expert at, at opening doors and helping people onto the bench. That's, that's right up your alley, right? Yes. If somebody was struggling, I was right there to yank them right over the wall. And I, I will say it has happened several times. I, well, I, I got you. Just come to my side. And and Dan, you I'm sure you remember like that was when we had to follow the the what I'll call the Taylor Holes rule is that you couldn't yep. open the bench doors or yep. play and and you had to jump over it. So um, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about that, but those boards were ridiculously high. The amount of times I had to yell at people to not open the door because they'd be like, "I'm opening this door," I'm like, "No, you're not. We're gonna get help." <laughs> <laughs> All right, Allie, take it away. All right. Our lovely Mike Murphy questions. How many ties do you own? Yeah, I saw Mike post that earlier. So in all honesty, I probably have about 30 ties. <laughs> That's it? Well, I don't yeah, know. 30. A lot or a little? <laughs> I don't. I, I, yeah, only 30. I would say about 30. It's actually a lot when you see them all hung up in my closet. But yeah, it's. It, I have a good amount of them. I, it's, I have my go-to ties, especially for game days and road trips, but I would say it probably, it's got to be 30. All right. Again, I'm, I'm going to move on. I don't know how it ties. <laughs> <are>. <laughs> um, what candy tempts you the most while you're at the cashier at the grocery store? 
uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, or maybe from time to time, a Heath bar. A Heath bar. Wow. Okay. Dan, what's your go-to? Uh, it would it would be Reese's peanut butter cups if I was still eating chocolate. That's that's I one would... thing I I really do miss. <laughs> All right, I'm a Sour Patch Kids type person. Oh, so. oh I'm I'm a sucker. Like they always have like the uh, the Christmas tree ones and the football shaped ones and the and the Easter egg ones. And I I would just buy like oodles and oodles of them, but uh, not anymore. I guess I save a little bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what was your biggest challenge going from a uh, creator to the hockey operations side? Uh, whew. I think, um, you know, as I said before, one thing that really helped me was just my previous management experience because people are people. And, you know, if you take care of the person first and foremost and look after others, the rest tends to work out for itself. Um, I think one thing was realizing, uh, that there's so much more that happens behind the scenes that I didn't see and didn't realize um, as, when I was, especially when I was doing writing, um, especially with just team dynamics and personalities and stuff that you just, that the public doesn't typically get to see that happens behind the scenes. I think that was a bit of a learning curve, um, you know, just to, to, just to recognize that. So I, I would say that a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that you're just not privy to otherwise until you're right in the thick of it. That's fair. When you think of someone who bleeds Buttes blue, that's kind of a tongue twister. Um, which player comes to mind? Another tough question. Cause I think there's different ways to, to, to bleed Buttes blue. Um, you know, I can think of players that really stood up and exuded it like Kelsey Newman, uh, Jordan Duran, Dom Kramer, uh, Cass McPherson, you know, there's, different players that that did it in different ways but if i had to pick one that i think that you could rely on this person to do whatever was asked of her uh and she did it with a smile on her face and just gave her gave you her utmost was aaron gian um aaron gian like she she played two seasons i signed her uh and she played for prior to that when i was doing community relations and assistant GM, but I signed her for two seasons and I didn't want her to retire. I would have signed her for uh, another one after that, but Guillen, whether she was on the top line, power play, penalty kill unit, fourth line, um, you know, we put her on the ice at times when, you know, for extra attacker, like it didn't matter what the scenario was. She would go 110% all heart, all battle, uh, just because she really cared about, her team and her teammates and, and putting her best foot forward. Uh, so it, it hard to answer for sure, but it, I would say Gary, Aaron Guillen fits that bill to a T. All right. All right. Our finale question. Why is being kind so important? Oh, that's a loaded question, but it's a really good one. <laughs> um, I, I think I said it earlier in the show that, uh, that's how you form relationships. That's how there, you have that interconnectedness in life is treating people the way that you would want to be treated and 
more important than that, bolstering them up. Because I think, you know, that whole expression of treating people the way that you would want to be treated has like a little bit of um, a selfish connotation to it, depending on eye of the beholder. But I think if you really are selfless in in life and you want to see others succeed and that's what makes you feel well, that you're going to be you're going to be rewarded in droves no matter what. And, you know, I'll go back to what I shared about that outdoor game that we played. And again, just looking where players who I had the privilege of working with, seeing things that they're doing in their careers, not just in hockey careers, but in their careers outside of it is that um, they're finding success and they're accomplishing things and achieving things. And if I played a small factor in that by, you know, have a conversation on the bench during practice or, you know, talking to them when they lost a loved one or just grabbing a cup of coffee in the off season together. If I did something that lightened their load and made life more bearable for them, that it opened up other doors and opportunities for them, then, you know, I guess I could consider myself a success in that regard. I like it. Yeah, you kicked ass. Uh, good job, Allie. You know, now you know why I wanted you to read those questions. Uh, bleed Butte Blue. That's that's a tough one. That's that's a that's a tongue twister. Uh, Mike, we love you. We see you listening live tonight. We appreciate you so much. Um, thank you for everything. Truly. Um, let's start running through these. I don't know how much longer people want to listen to us ramble. I'm I'm having a great time. Uh, but I do realize that some people's attention spans are short, and I know mine is is kind of like that. Uh, just real quick on Gian, you think some of that passion was she was one of those local players, right? Like, um, I I remember you telling me like how how deeply invested she was in this, and and I definitely interviewed her a, a time or two and and spoke with her about that. But you think some of that that uh, toughness, compete level, that that. Butte's blue is because she was from she's a local kid like yeah I, I think it's a combination of things I definitely think the local piece of it has something to do with it so I, I don't know how many people know this outside of Buffalo but we actually have a girls high school league um, the girls federation league and, and it's really grown and blossomed with probably been around uh, 12 years now maybe 13 years um, but if you look at the history of that league Gian has all the records. Like she has most goals, power play goals, points. I mean, she ripped that league up um, and then did the same thing playing for Buffalo State College. She still has all of their records and, and whatnot. So she definitely is a product of the Buffalo area and has a lot of pride in doing that. But I think that's also just her and how she is as a person. Um, when she retired, and it was a big part of why she retired, is that She's now uh, an assistant athletic director uh, for Elmira College, and they do a lot of great stuff there, and they're a very uh, solid uh, D3 school, and especially in their athletics, and a lot of that is just from the work and efforts that Aaron has put in with that program. I, I, I'm super, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I, I'm just super proud of her, what she's done in her career outside of hockey, and I think it's just her, um, how she is as a person and how hard she works in life. Super intense. And and those records are like, I remember reading them. They're unbelievable. The the numbers that she put up was just, uh, that's like next level shit. Um, Steph, uh, Rennie Ministrone asks, uh, first says, Nate, first, first off, excuse me, I would like to say thank you for your help retrieving photos 
from the first Buffalo Believes Classic game to assist in verifying a game-used stick. Good job, Nate. Uh, that being said, I know many hats were worn by the PH office staff. What were some unexpected jobs that you did during your tenure? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, there's probably a long list of them. I, I think the one that's maybe the most famous and the most unique, and it actually um, feels pretty – it's something I, I – you know, it, it, it's maybe going to sound a little silly, but – um, it actually means a lot to me. And I, I think one of the Tiedemans that had mentioned it on, on Twitter earlier is that when we were in Lake Placid, uh, you know, they, they, the league tried to do a bubble and we very much were um, yeah, sequestered, sequestered, I guess you could say, like we, you know, we weren't able to leave our rooms. We, you know, we didn't have visitors. It was basically you're in your room or you're on your way to the rink. Um, and, I had signed Brooke Stacy uh, shortly before that. And for people that know, um, Brooke had uh, given birth to a baby son, beautiful baby boy, Coda. Um, and he was a newborn and she was still breastfeeding him at the time. And one thing that I, I needed to do was her family was living on the res up in Quebec and she needed to, in order to play in Lake Placid, needed to get her breast milk to her infant and so each morning i'd go to fedex and ship her breast milk so that her mom could pick it up on the other side of the border and um that was how we made that work and brooke you know i i one thing that was really special to me is that brooke shared a lot after that season um about what it was like coming back from a pregnancy and playing pro hockey and uh she kind of gave me a shout out for my efforts and helping her with that. And it was something that I felt privileged to do because here's this young mom who's got such compete and drive in her and she wants to be there with her teammates. And it, it, it was a really special thing uh, in retrospect. It, it sounds maybe a little bit funny, but um, it actually meant a lot to me. And, and I know it meant a lot to Brooke and we've been close ever since, you know, just, just bonding over things like that. Again, going back to the notion of helping another person, um, outside of just hockey. That, that's a great story. I knew a little bit about that. I knew, I also know she got sick and then that spoiled some of that stuff too, correct? She did. She ended up, uh, as a good number of us did, ended up getting COVID. <laughs> Goddamn COVID bubble BS. <laughs> uh, thank you, Steph. Uh, our friend, Somebody you know very well, Amy Buddy asked. She's probably sleeping right now because she's not listening to live. She's overseas, uh, but we're wishing her all the best as well in her uh, season. I think she scored already. Uh, I know Eleni's been pumping her tires, and I appreciate that because it's hard for me to keep track of everything. Uh, Amy Buddy asks if you could have any non-traditional animal as a pet. Which animal would you choose? Parentheses in this scenario, there would be enough resources, safety, etc., for the animal. In parentheses, yeah. uh, what, what, what's your pick? I, I saw this question too, but I gotta I gotta give a side note as well too for Amy Buddy. So I think Amy Buddy and I have very similar uh, ways of thinking about things. And there was a time two se- two seasons ago, uh, she Lola Burnson, Yana Suoko, and Missy Siegel were living in a house together um, near the rink. It was the four of them living together, and occasionally uh, Grace Kleinbach would stay with them. Well. Uh, they invited my wife and I over for, they cooked us dinner one night at their house and they gave us a tour of the house. It was a huge house. It had four bedrooms and fully furnished, fully furnished basement. Well, 
down in the basement where Grace, they had a bed down there where Grace would stay. There was a trove of all these stuffed animals. I, I want to say there was like 20 of them. And Amy had named all of them and insisted <laughs> that I, I learn each of their names. And occasionally she would bring some of them on, on the bus rides. And I, I don't remember all their names exactly. I feel like one was named Dolores, uh, you know, they had, they had Gretchen, <laughs> there was maybe like some older fashion names, but, uh, that, that kind of typical for, for Amy Buddy, who's just a, a total character, but very loving, hearty gold person. So in answer, in response to Amy's question, I would say an octopus, uh, oh. and then, and oh. then also, um, a beaver. I think beavers and octopuses are really cool. Wow. Okay. Uh, Amy Buddy seems like she's the the ringleader of any kind of good time that's going on. Is that correct? Yes, and uh, any <laughs> and usually some. I don't want to say shenanigans, but there's usually some sort of mysterious happenings going on. And yeah, she's usually the ringleader. <laughs> she was by far one of my favorite guests we had on. We had her on earlier in the summer before she headed overseas. Uh, Amy, thank you for always listening. I know you're driving up our international numbers as far as our listeners go, as does Lolo. Uh, we see the numbers. We see the the 1% of our audience comes from Sweden. I'm going to assume and hope that that's Lolo. Um, but thank you, Amy, for the question and, and uh, for being just you. And never change, please. Uh, Jen asks, what is your favorite community outreach thing that you did with the Buttes? Oh, that that's actually an easy one, but an awesome question. So favorite thing that we did was during the, the 2019-20 season, um, a small group of us went to Children's Hospital and delivered stuffed animals to the sick kids. So uh, Meg DeLay went, Emma Ruggiero, Taylor Kersey, Becky Bowering, uh, Kelsey Newman, and Ashley Birdsell and I, um, the group of us went together uh, and just to connect with those kids and some of them were newborns to the oldest, I think was a, a 17 year old boy that we got to spend some time with as well too. But just to brighten those kids days, I mean, you want to feel something that really touches, like really pulls on your heartstrings and gives you a sense of what, um, life's really all about is a, a chance to, to do that. And I, I know, you know, I, I talked with Meg DeLay a few weeks back and, it's still something that um, that resonates with her, and I know resonated with each of those players. Um, I know one thing too was they had a uh, uh, for for sick uh, newborns. They had a volunteer sign up where you could volunteer to come and hold the babies, just so they had somebody holding them and helping them in the recovery. And I believe Emma Ruggiero signed up for that, and maybe one of the other players as well too. But it was definitely a life changing experience, and. I'm so glad that those players uh, and myself had an opportunity to to visit those kids and help in the recovery. That's a, a great story and a great answer to a great question. Thank you, everybody who submitted questions so far. Uh, we're speaking with our guest, former, I guess, GM now of the B Buffalo Buttes, which isn't really a thing anymore, uh, Nate Oliver. Nate, thanks for spending so much time with us. Uh, Eric, the non-evil twin, asks... Which wrestler would you have signed to the Buttes to a weekend contract to play against the Riveters, your nemesis, your uh, rivals on the ice? <laughs> That's a great question as well, too. Um, I was I saw that and 
just kind of thinking it through. So I do know a fair amount of uh, pro wrestlers. Um, I'd have to say uh, my buddy Jamie Hader, uh, who had been women's world champion, and uh, I think she's on the DL right now, but uh, just a powerful human being, and I, I think she would serve us well against the ribs. I, I always, you know, I, I we obviously were friends, and I see some of the, the places that you go and the people that you're taking pictures with. Uh, had you ever tried to talk any of them into purchasing a team, getting involved with the league and, the, and, and those kind of things? Yeah, so uh, I think it got posted. Um, I think people recall this is that a couple of wrestlers, uh, Sky Blue, who's a really popular wrestler, female wrestler right now, and uh, All Elite Wrestling, uh, we got her a Buttes uh, jersey uh, with her name and a number of her choice on there. And uh, she wore it for a photo shoot, and we shared that online. And then Daniel Garcia, who's another uh, top wrestler in All, All Elite Wrestling, who's a Buffalo kid, um, we got him a jersey as well, too. And he was actually going to come out uh, to do a ceremony, a puck drop for us this season. But alas, uh, oh, uh, it's not going to pan out that way. But uh, yeah, we actually, the wrestlers, um, the, the, at least the ones that I know, were very supportive of us and, and wanting to show their uh, their solidarity with uh, with supporting the Buttes and women's hockey. It was, it was cool to see and kind of make that connection between wrestling and hockey. But nobody interested in, in buying the team or like financially, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, we had Connecticut was the only team that really had an independent owner. Um, was was that ever a conversation or a thought in your mind? I think the thought occurred to me. Um, you know, I I Andy Scurdo was our primary owner with NLTT, and I you know I reported to Andy for um, probably about three years. Uh, and I did always kind of wonder, all right, well, you know, what if what if there we ended up with a new owner, or, you know, if somebody bought the team from him, um, you know, I'm not really sure. So, yeah, I would say I, I, I'm not aware of any serious conversations that happen with that, uh, although it's possible there were some that I wasn't privy to. But I think you do think of things like that, especially when um, somebody who's in the public eyes as a pro wrestler, what might be uh, does take an interest in the team. Yeah, I mean that that's that was kind of always my like first natural thought it was like man like he needs to get like one of these these guys or gals to like buy the team like that would create so much press and uh, goodwill and and probably create a whole new uh, bevy of fans. Uh, I'm looking here at a picture Eric posted in his question it says any idea how CM Punk got the Buttes T-shirt was that also you're doing as well? <laughs> yes and no. So the funny thing with that is, so I do not know CM Punk personally, um, but it does have a funny story behind it. So the funny story was, is that uh, he actually bought that shirt uh, of his own accord from the Buttes. Um, we would do our, we would ship out our orders um, that we would see, receive remotely and mail them to the customer. So I I don't know why this didn't dawn on me, but I I was getting the one of my duties as GM was uh, handling the merchandise, and uh, I would ship out a lot of our merch orders, uh, not all of them, but the the good majority of them. And one of the orders was for Philip Brooks. Well, Philip Brooks is uh, CM Punk's real name. I'd never put two and two together until the next thing I know, my Twitter feed's blowing up about CM Punk wearing uh, a <laughs> Buffalo Buttes shirt. So. In retrospect, I held the actual shirt in my hand. I put it in the package. I addressed it with his name on it, mailed it to California. And the next thing I know, he's wearing the thing. 
that's awesome. I did not know that. That's that's fantastic. And um, <laughs> hey, you kind of did give it to him. I mean, you just you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jedi twenty eight fifteen s. What happens first? PWHL arenas logos and nicknames, or Mandy Levier finishes her remodel. I assume the remodel is still ongoing. Uh, that that's a question for you, Allie. What's the the status update there? Um. So hilariously, I was with Lev this evening while that question came in, <laughs> and Lev had a good old giggle to herself, and she said, "Probably whatever happens with the league." <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Oh man! It's like she's about to. This is like a twenty-eight to three league. Like she's got to fit close this down like uh. never ending it will never end <laughs> oh my goodness uh lev if you're listening to the you're obviously not listening to live but when you listen to this and replay hopefully uh we love you we miss you uh hopefully you and your family are doing well uh brian k asks uh or says like we need another reason to pound our fist onto the table uh would nate nate like to reveal the names of the players coaches or other plans for the team that would have joined the beach this season, but were unannounced as of that infamous Thursday night meeting. Uh, we know you're not going to reveal the coach's name. I think you revealed earlier that uh, Courtney was signed. I don't know if that was announced. Uh, your team was kind of, we'll say, lagging behind in the public relations forum of how many players you announced that you had signed. Uh, was there anybody that you were particularly happy that you signed that you didn't get to announce? Yeah, I yeah. So so Courtney was going to be with us for another season. Again, another reason why uh, disappointed in 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 how things worked out. Uh, and you had, did a nice job, Dan, earlier of just speaking about it. That I think she had another level that she was going to take it up to, and uh, it's it's tough that we're not going to see that. Um, yeah, I think with some of the ones, I, I again, I'm kind of going to err on the side of caution is that I wouldn't want to put a player on the spot if, if it was something that they haven't openly shared yet that they were going to be signed. But one thing that I, that I can say, and I do, again, also think it was tough, and you had also talked about it too with, you know, just building excitement around a, a team and, and getting it out there. Well, I think I did that to an extent with signing Lauren McInnes, Al McInnes's daughter, and Amelie Anderson, uh, Freddie Anderson's sister, in that both sure. of them were very excited. The, you know, Al was very proud that his daughter signed a pro contract and was going to be with the Buttes, and Freddie, the same thing with his sister. So, again, it's another thing that just feels like a total gut punch that maybe we could have made something grow from there, um, you know, to get support from, uh, you know, a hockey hall of famer and, you know, a star goalie, uh, just again, just to share the wealth, so to speak, and just get more people interested in the Buffalo Buttes and interested in our league. And unfortunately it didn't happen. And, and it, you know, it's to be blunt about it. It sucks. But, uh, you know, I think that was the toughest thing, especially because we had just signed Lauren and announced it. And, you know, I think two days later, uh, a day later, uh, she suddenly finds out that we don't have a league anymore. Yeah, and you could have shipped a jersey or a shirt to a guy named Al McKinnis and not put two and two together until <laughs> until he's seen him wearing the jersey at, at uh, uh, he's in St. Louis now, right? With the, with yes. the Blues. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that that stinks, and and uh, it's a bummer that we we didn't get to see that happen. Um, thank you, everybody, again for the questions. Uh, Fan de la Force asks uh, X Buttes, who is the worst at a board game? Hmm. Um, I don't know that we we did do a board game night, uh, and I but I don't know outside of that how many. How many board games we got to play? What I can say that I think fans would think is interesting is that the puzzle, like Jigsaw Puzzle Extraordinaire, was Jell Diffendale. Um, she loved puzzles. That was a big hobby of hers. That was kind of like her thing. And um, one thing that I used to do is, in particular, is a care package for Jell. Is I would, uh, you know, every month or so, I'd give her a few puzzles that she could take back to her apartment or to the house that she was staying in and work on that and it was a good team building thing, but that was something that was always really special about gel is that she loved puzzles and was really good at them. Okay. Okay. We're, we're breaking news here on the show tonight. Uh, Angie asks, uh, funniest moment as GM. <laughs> there, there was a lot, there was a lot of funny ones. I was thinking about this question, uh, all throughout the day. So I can, I can share two, I'll share two funny stories real quickly. The first one is maybe my, my favorite one was, uh, I think people know um, that Lisa Chesson joined us later uh, in Lake Placid. Um, she wasn't there initially at the start from it, although she was under contract with us all season. Um, she was not ma- able to make the initial trip to Lake Placid with the team. So she came maybe about halfway through. And um, one thing that I'll always love cheese about uh, is that she scored the game winning goal and what ultimately got uh, me my, my first pro win uh, but she's had a very long drive to Lake Placid. She drove up herself coming from Columbus, Ohio. So you got about six hours from Columbus to Buffalo, probably another six hours to uh, Buffalo to Lake Placid. So she got there right around dinner time, and we were down in our banquet room picking up our food for the night. And Cheese just walks in, and uh, for those that don't know cheese personally i mean she very much wonderful person like if she wanted to play the game until she was 50 years old she could do it she's just that top of an athlete and that phenomenal of a person but she's always marched to the beat of her own drum so she she walks in and i said hey cheese you know how how did it go how was the drive and she's like oh it was good but i i think i hit a rooster (laughs) (laughs) i said you what she's like yeah i i hit a rooster uh, uh, somewhere around Syracuse, and then I almost hit a deer. I'm like, geez, like, oh my, my God, God geez, are you all right? She's like, yeah. Like, well, how did you know it was a rooster? Well, I I pulled to the side, and it, some of the feathers were still on the car. I'm like, oh my lord. So that so that, <laughs> that, that that's maybe my my favorite story. Um, another really funny one was uh two seasons ago, we were in Connecticut. And uh, we had a very elderly bus driver named Sandy. Um, And I I was surprised that she was still driving a bus and (laughs) got to be game time. And we had loaded up the bus and everybody was sitting there quietly focused on the game. And we're heading from the hotel over to the rink. And all of a sudden, Sammy Fiesler starts screaming, Sandy, Sandy, stop the bus, stop the bus. And everybody's looking around what's going on. And Sandy had left one of the flaps open on the side of the bus and it made multiple turns and 
fortunately no gear had fallen out but it scared oh the God. life out of everybody that uh sam was sam Fiesler was screaming sandy when the rest of the place was totally the rest of the bus was totally quiet Oh my god, that must have been like panic city. Well, we yeah, we drove all the way back, uh, you know, trying to make sure, right, did anything fall out? Did we lose any sticks? Did we lose anybody's gear? Um, so yeah, those those would be my, uh, there was countless other funny moments, but I think those two were my favorite. Those are good ones. I think my favorite that we've seen publicly was when the uh, the team pranked your you and your, and your staff. And ordered a, a bunch of shots. Uh, you were yes. at a team restaurant, and they ended up being shots of water. Uh, that was yes. uh, that was that was some some great made for social media kind of uh, little short videos. We love that kind of stuff. And that um, was that was totally orchestrated by Jess Healy. Jess Healy is somebody that uh, again, heart of gold, awesome person. But if she wants to tell a fib. Uh, and get you to buy into it, like you will believe it. She could sell you a bridge, and she d- most certainly did with uh, with uh, the water in exchange for tequila trick. Oh man, uh, yeah, that was that was a really good one. Uh, let's run really quick through these. We got like it's almost fifteen minutes until we're here for two hours. I I can't imagine anybody's really going to stick with us. Although I do see a lot of people listen to us live for two hours, so that's you people rock. Uh, we appreciate the hell out of you, and thank you so much for allowing us to speak into your ears uh, about this stuff. Uh, real quick, go-to movie when you miss hockey. Oh, gosh. Uh, Mystery Alaska. Um, that's probably my favorite hockey movie, but I'm also a big Slapshot fan. Uh, our goal song, um, at least for the past two seasons, was from Slapshot, and I think we watched it at least three or four times on bus rides, so uh, Mystery Alaska and Slapshot. Okay. Do you have a best karaoke song? Best karaoke song. Uh, the only time I ever sing karaoke, uh, I did David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust. Um, the, probably the best karaoke singer that we had on the team, uh, wheels. Chris and the wiki was really good. Um, at, at, uh, doing karaoke on the bus. Um, so yeah, I would say my my song I, I can do I can do a pretty good David Bowie. Best singer on the team was Wheels. I I, I believe I, I remember the team had like a rookie initiation that rookies had to sing on the bus uh, on road trips. Is that correct? Yeah, and you can blame Taylor Kersey for that. Uh, <laughs> but here, so here was the uh, the trick with that though was it wasn't just singing karaoke; it was noise canceling headphones. So. <laughs> you you could hear the song through the headphones, but nobody else could hear the song. They just heard you singing, and so you didn't know like how bad you sounded. Um, oh my gosh! And the smart ones, I think Meg Delave was maybe one who did it. Picked a really simple song like "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" or something like that. <laughs> like, Wait, they got what... to pick their own song. It didn't. It didn't matter what what song you picked. Uh, the, oh, the word. The worst one was, though, Mandy Cronin, who was GM at the first time that we did it, she picked, and I like this song, but it's a very, like, oddball <laughs> song. She picked um, Hook by Blues Traveler, and Mandy and I are the same age. We're both 43, so she's belting it out, and she actually was singing it really well, but at one point, she's, like, when it came to the refrain of the song, she's like, now, Nate, sing it with me. And I'm like, I didn't know what the guy was saying in the lyrics 30 years ago. I don't know what I'm not a song. 
Especially without not hearing it. I mean, exactly. Uh, uh, that's, that's great. That was a good answer. Uh, toughest hire negotiations. Ooh. Um. I don't know if there was anybody that was the the toughest. Uh, they, I think it really just came down to the person and what really mattered most for them, especially if it was somebody that was having to re, uh, relocate to the area. Um, nobody was... N- we we worked through it together. At the end of the day, we all wanted the same thing. I can't say that there was somebody that was, you know, like really difficult or anything like that. Um, I no horror stories from my end uh, on anything like that. That's a good thing. Uh, Nick, who is I'm, I always assume is the evil twin, since Eric is a non evil twin. But uh, Nick asked not a question for Nate, but a thank you for putting together a team of great people that the fans in Buffalo could always be proud of. Uh, you, you, I'm sure you obviously you read that before earlier today when, when he submitted it, uh, makes you feel nice, warm and fuzzy inside. Although you didn't have the, like we talked about, right. The, the success as far as wins and losses, like what you did, no matter if it existed, isn't like it, it, it made an impact on people and people are going to remember that, right. Like that, that's got to make you feel good. Yeah, it's it's nice to hear that. Um, you know, I, I, I sometimes I my own worst critic and have a hard time believing it myself. But if if I was able to do something that brightened other people's days, then, you know, I, I can feel good about that, especially, you know, I always wanted to make sure that I, I didn't work. I, I wanted to work with good hockey players, but I wanted to work with even better people. I didn't care if somebody could score 60 goals if they were a jerk. I didn't want them on the team. So I, I try to always make sure that we had people that were good hockey players and fought hard, but were also even better people. Yeah, and that's ultimately, I think that's that's the way to do it. Um, but what do I know? I'm just a writer. Uh, Eric, who is the non-evil twin, asks, what is your favorite Buttes specialty jersey? You guys had a lot of them. Is there any one in particular that really stood out that you, that you loved? Yeah, I I hope this doesn't sound like a cop out answer, but uh, I definitely the heritage jersey. Um, I think partially because that was the jersey we wore um, during that three zero the three nothing win I mentioned over Toronto, and we did have a the, the victories that we had. The majority of them happened in that jersey, and it's just a cool jersey. I mean, uh, Jordan Sandalicia, who is our longtime graphic designer, um, I told him that. I wanted something old school that felt very much like heritage style. I, I suggested him uh, the Quebec Bulldogs and the Saskatoon Sheiks from turn of the century is kind of uh, areas for inspiration. And he came up with that that jersey for the heritage jersey. And I think it's a beautiful jersey and one of the, the best around. That was a home run. I love that jersey. Saw it up close and personally. You guys wore it uh, last weekend here in Jersey. Uh, I think that was the only time I saw it. Uh, just phenomenal. Uh, great work by everybody and, and really had uh, that, that classic feel to it. Um, even though it wasn't something that like a classic version of your team wore. It was just, it really just like hit all the marks. And, and uh, uh, we appreciate that that, that was uh, something that we got to see. Uh, what was your favorite crowd sign? Uh, not one sign in particular, but I did really like how the Tiedemans and, um, there were some of our other longtime fans. I loved when they would do the signs that were in languages for different players. So, uh, you know, we had 
two Finnish players in Yanisuoka and Emma, uh, Emma Newton and Lola Bernson, obviously from Sweden. We have the Slovakian players, Lenka Tremova, Ivana Klimasova. So I, it always, I always thought that it was really special when they would put a sign together that was in a player's native language. I thought that the, I always enjoyed those. Yeah, that was uh, good stuff, boys. Keep up. Uh, I was gonna say keep up the good work, but I don't know. I don't know where the next uh, part of the work would be. Uh, and Eric's final part was uh, strangest part of the Lake Placid experience. Did anything top sending uh, breast milk? I would assume not. I think that's a that's a clincher. Uh, <laughs> I think we're we're also kind of running low on time again, so I, we're, we're just gonna we're gonna say yeah. That, that that's a pretty oddball uh, moment and and strange stuff. Uh, oh, uh, Eric also said from Twitterless Mom, what are you up to now that you're not running a team? Uh, it, that's been tough personally to 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 try to figure that out. Um, I do work at the University of Buffalo. I'm an associate director in their student life department. So I've, uh, you know, I have that as what I guess you could say is my career, but my passion has always been women's hockey. So the one thing uh, I'd said earlier in the show that I'm, I'm really enjoy, enjoying doing, and uh, I've caught a, a number of Amy Buddy's games, but just watching the games of the players uh, that, had played for the Buttes or that I had signed um, just seeing them play elsewhere. Tatum, Amy and Audie McDougal uh, are tearing it up with Leek Sand and over in the SCHL, you mentioned Lolo getting that shutout. Allison Atia is playing on the same team as her. Uh, Maddie Truex is in Switzerland. Yanisuoko is in uh, Austria. So trying to just follow those players as much as I can and cheer them on from afar. Yeah, that's that's uh, it's it's tough, and it's especially tough to keep track of that stuff overseas. Um, hopefully, they all again, you know, find some sort of semblance of, of happiness over there. It's a great experience. I'm I'm sure I see some of the crowds in, in some of those games, and it looks like just a uh, uh, wonderful experience. So hopefully, they're all having uh, the time of their lives. Um, Fandela Force has a few more questions, but I'm gonna have to cut it there because we got like another seven minutes until we hit two hours and I really don't want to go past there and I have a few more things I wanted to just say uh Nate as I said at the top like you're uh I think one of the nicest people I've ever met um somebody I obviously consider a friend um I can't thank you enough for for joining us I hope everybody uh listening enjoyed uh listening to all these deep cut stories and um, hijinks from the players and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, if you'd like to follow Nate on Twitter, you can follow him at Nathaniel A. Oliver, but no E in the Oliver. Um, I'm not going to spell that out right now, but everybody listening, I know you know how to spell Nathaniel, the letter A and Oliver, just take out the last E. Uh, Nate, I'm going to give you the floor um, to say, oh, before I do that, Allie, is there anything you'd like to ask Nate before we say goodnight to him? Um, ask no, but I do just want to acknowledge that um, how important it is. My dog's going to ring her bells in a second, but. Um, we love your pooches. No worries. I know. They're, they're <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I just want to acknowledge how important it is to have people like you in the game of hockey where they truly care about their players and as someone who never played for you, obviously, but um, it's 
very clear how much you care about who played for you and all of that. And I just want to acknowledge how truly important that is in the game of hockey. Thank you so much for that, Allie. And, um, you know, it's, I I really enjoyed just being on the show tonight and uh, just from any interactions that I've had with you over the years, seeing running into each other in Minnesota or just around and about um, you've always been very kind. And like I said before, people don't forget how you made them feel. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to know both you and Dan and glad to consider you guys my friends. Nate, you had the perfect opportunity to say, Allie, when I saw you around the rink, which is uh, the the name of our show. Oh, you, you skipped right past it, but I still love you. It. No, it's, it's all good. It's all good. I'm just my brain works in so many crazy ways. Um, the floor is yours. Anything you want to say before we let you say good night? Uh, and obviously, you know, you're always around to talk to people if they want to reach out to you. But uh, anything you'd like to say before we uh, say good night? Yeah. Um, congratulations to both of you on on your thirtieth episode. I, I'm glad that you do this, and I think uh, anybody that was involved in the league is really glad that you do it. Um, you know, whether you re- realize it or not, you're capturing history here, and I think that it's important to do that while it's still fresh in everybody's heads. Um, because you know, ten years down the line, fifteen years down the line, uh, we're gonna look back and throughout the history of women's hockey, and you know, want to have record keeping of some sort, and I. I think with the work that you guys do, you're able to do that. So congrats on that. Um, I think the only other thing I'd like to say, and uh, I had an opportunity to do it uh, one, shortly after the news broke, uh, the Buffalo News allowed me to do it, was just a chance to write a pen a letter to the fans and uh, the people in general. Um, you know, I, I think the toughest thing has been, uh, I, I didn't feel... I, I think we all could have handled what went down with the the ending of the PHF. We could have handled it better if there had been a thank you and an I'm sorry that was given uh, because a lot of people's lives were impacted by this. And I think that's the the toughest part and the toughest pill to swallow is that whether, you know, you were a player that signed a contract or a coach or equipment manager or a season ticket holder or a writer or a photographer podcast hosts like you know we were all impacted by it and this day and age has become more of a rarity but thank yous sincere thank yous and sincere i'm sorry's go a long way so uh i guess i'd just like to reiterate thank you for everybody that believed in me and believed in the buffalo buttes and um you know trusted and had faith in me and I'm sorry this is what came of our team and of the league, but I do hope and believe that there are brighter days ahead. Yeah, that's the, the hope. Um, I'm, I've said a couple of times on this show, like I've, I've always kind of been, you know, we can do this. The glass is half full. Like it's, 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 it can happen. It's just going to take time. Um, I'm probably, I've probably flipped the other way. I'm probably thinking the, the glass is half empty now, I guess. If I get that analogy right, I sometimes mess it up. Um, but I, I just don't know why all of a sudden this time is going to be different. I hope I'm wrong in, in, in having that thought lingering and bouncing around in my head. Uh, but we'll see. There's still a lot of stuff that has to be figured out for them. And, and Mike, you kind of alluded to earlier, Nate, like, um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll still be around the game. I'll still, I'm more than happy to have players come on and, and talk about uh, 
uh, the league, uh, their thoughts on it and all that kind of stuff. But especially like the, the people that I became developed friendships with over the years, um, I'm, I'm definitely pulling for them. I hope they go in there and I hope they kick ass. And if they don't kick ass there, I hope they go overseas and go kick ass and um, do, do whatever they want to do. So um, thanks again, Nate, for coming on. Um, Allie, any, any famous last words before I run through all these really quick things at the end and get us out of here in a little over two hours, which will definitely be our longest show? It'll definitely our longest show. Uh, no, just really thanks, Nate, for joining us tonight. It was an awesome time. Absolutely, yep. guys. Right, feel free to reach out. Yeah, we will definitely probably reach out and have you on down the line. Um, the clock just struck midnight out here in the East Coast. Um, next week, we're planning on coming to you the same night, pretty much the same time, maybe a smidge earlier. We're going to see what we can wriggle out there. But i um, pleased to announce that next week we're going to have uh, Sue Mers on, uh, who is an assistant coach with the uh, Connecticut Whale these past two seasons. Uh, was a member of the gold-winning U.S. women's team who played in 1998 Nagano Olympics. Allie, that was the first Olympics that women were able to participate in in the sport of ice hockey, correct? Yes, and I'd just like to say go Friars if you'd like to do your research. There were a heck load of Providence College Friars on that team. But she was not one of them, though, is that? No, I was four years old, so unfortunately, I was not one of them. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying she oh. was on the, the she wasn't on the the friars, right? She was no, correct, no. Okay, okay, okay. You making me like? Did I write this down wrong? Uh, no, that's my like, is, is she really from Providence? I'm like, man, I fucked up. Um, oh, just so the next team. She she also played in the, the following Olympics, right? If I no, is that yeah? Next one, 2002. Uh, won a silver medal there. Um, so one of her teammates on that silver medal winning team, I believe, was Lindsay Fry, uh, who does a lot of awesome stuff with women's hockey and kids' hockey out in uh, the state of Arizona. Um, as luck would have it, my other hockey writing or hockey-related job is covering the New Jersey Devils. And the Arizona Coyotes will be here on Friday, which is now actually tomorrow because it's, it's already Thursday here. Um, I have two Devils games in the next two days, but Friday I'm going and, and hopefully I get to talk to Lindsay a little bit, uh, maybe for the Ice Garden, maybe something I can put up on the site. Also, maybe uh, get some, some details. I, I'm pretty sure that her and Sue know each other. Um, I don't really know Sue at all, uh, much other than we, we chatted a couple of times earlier in the week. Um, but I'm excited to bring her on and, and ask a bunch of questions and pick her brain. And I'm sure a lot of people have questions out there, too. Um, thank you, for everybody, supporting the Ice Garden. Go read our articles. Click on our links, our Twitter tweets, our Xverse tweets. Um, click on these podcasts. Subscribe to them. Uh, her name is Allie Morris, uh, at Allie Morris on Twitter. Very simple. Uh, my name is Dan Rice. You can find me at D Rice or Dr. Ice Hockey, however you want to read it, uh, on Twitter. It's time to say goodnight. Uh, as I said last week, um, if you made it this far into this episode, you are really a kick-ass person, and I really appreciate you. Um, if you have a chance in the next day, the next couple of days, um, do something nice to somebody. Be, be nice to somebody. 
um, it could change their life. It could be something as simple as holding the door open for somebody and maybe they had like the worst day of their life and then they decide, well, all of humanity is not lost because that person thought enough of me to hold the door open for me. Or it could be not being aggressive on the road and letting somebody pull out instead of speeding past them. Um, just do something nice to somebody. Um, it could impact them in ways that you don't even know. Thanks to everybody who tuned in for the last two hours. Uh, you guys all are freaking rock stars. I almost cursed again. I don't know I already cursed on this episode, but it's time to say goodnight. We'll see you next week and probably not going to run two hours next week, but you never know. Sue might be a talker like Nate. Uh, thanks again, everybody. Have a great night.